0: Ladies and gentlemen, you are tuning to the Famous Dwayne is Podcast. I am your host, Dwayne. Here we have the esteemed MC, Mr. Braxton. Say what up to the people.
1: Peace, everyone. How's everybody doing?
0: So um, what we're doing right now is we're just going to do like a deep dive on the Black August EP that dropped on the 15th at, it was 2.50 in the morning?
1: 2.30 a.m.,
0: yep. 2.30 a.m., okay. So um, yeah, there's a lot of quotables here, and like I just said off off uh, air, this is actually the first interview where I actually have notes, because I don't use notes. Yeah. Not to, you know, toot my own horn, but I just, you know. So first of all, like, where did the inspiration come with this project? Like, how did you, how did this all come to you?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess the, to kind of give a little bit more context, last year when Power Shalem dropped, which was, I think, August... Um, october the 18th it was sort of like experimental sort of testing the waters to see like it was like i'm pretty sure i'm like i can rap you know I'm, you know so it was like let me just release this out there and probably halfway through it's only five songs but halfway through my brother passed away right so it was like you know the, from an emotional standpoint so um it kind of took a little bit of a turn you know kind of midway throughout the project right um thankfully you know it received you know pretty general or or positive reviews, um, but really Black August now, number one, you know, if you know the context of the historical context of Black August and what that means to us, to the people, um, August is typically a month historically uh, of revolution process of people, right? Um, so I kind of infused that with also, listen, this is my first year out of being, you know, Kevin, my brother, Shalim, he died when I was 27 years old. This is my first year without my brother. Um, so it was kind of uh, infusing those emotions of what the fuck does does life mean without you know so one of my one of the only protectors I've ever known? Mm-hmm. Um, and how can I infuse that with you know the revolutionary fervor that I really feel like is necessary you know to 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 what is needed to be reflected in our music today as a people? Uh, so one thing is for certain you know when when Kevin was alive, Kevin was really big into. Uh, He always believed, right? This might sound a little crazy, but he always believed that it was bubbling down to a big war. And so even Mm -hmm. though his health was failing him, you could catch him in his room, right? He'd be doing push-ups, right? He has, matter of fact, uh, because me and him have such a close relationship, everything in Kevin's room, my mom said I've inherited. So so he has Mm -hmm. a bigger bookshelf than me, and it's filled with cybersecurity, hacking, you know, disarming a gun, diffusing a bomb, you know, all those different things, like he was training for something. So it was like, how do I take the spirit of Kevin, right? Mixed with me trying to figure out what is life without Kevin, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and, and all infusing that all within the context of what it means to our people. So, you know, that really what it was, what it is what it was about. Um, you know, Black August, it was made available um on august the 15th two thirty a.m which is his date and time of death um and i did that just in honor of him so that was really the context behind it i wanted to make sure you know when i make music i like i prefer for it to have a little bit I don't want to say a darker tone, but I prefer for it to have a much more serious tone. Mm-hmm. It's lighthearted or whatever, because I'm I'm am mm-hmm. I'm goofy in a lot of instances, but when it comes to the art, expressing myself and my convictions, I get very very serious, and so I kind of wanted to to have that same feel.
0: Right, right. This is a very dope project. Um, I've listened to it several times. I've when your account wasn't private, I definitely you know shared what you posted. In regards to that, so I have some quotables here. Yeah. Um, and uh, this kind of wants you to kind of break down, you know, I guess the deeper meaning. I mean, most of the stuff I get, but for those that may not be able to get it, you know, just kind of walk them through it. So, I have here: Are you seeing what your eyes are reading between the lines? Mm-hmm.
1: So a lot of what I was talking about, right, and it really just ties in, this is the importance of the final track, which is the, you know, the title track of Black August. Uh, but that chorus, or that part was from the hook on uh, Braxton versus Court of Vows. Um, so I'm a big comic book guy. So Court of Vows is actually this like secret society in the Batman comic books. It's full of these rich elites and they pull the strings, you know, and they profit from a lot of the crime and so on and so forth you know, real creepy cult type shit, right? Mm-hmm. So brash to be quarterbacks. Um, so the hook is, until we all have one mind, the limits only lie in the prisons of one's mind. Dimensions underlie that we hear to put down the blinds. Now you either choose the lines, just let the haters do it for you. Because all it takes is one time. The enemy divides and division as his design. Are you seeing with your eyes are you reading between the lines? Now you either choose a side or you let the haters do it for you. So when I say that, We're talking about, uh, there's a lot of conflict between us as a people, right? Um, And I think that a lot of it is being instigated. And I think that people don't do this just for, or this third party, shall we say, they're not doing it strictly for the sake of entertainment, but they're doing it because it suits an overall overarching nefarious agenda. right? right? This country profits from discord amongst uh, black peoples or African peoples, right? whether it's gender wars, diaspora wars, whichever, whichever, right? Mm -hmm. And so the question is, you have to ask people, right? I mean, you and me, we engage in this type of discourse all the time offline. When you see on Twitter, you see all this strife and this discord between us as a people. It's like, are you seeing it for what it is at face value or are you seeing what's going on behind the scenes? You know, Uh, are you seeing with your eyes or are you reading between the lines? Because if you let your natural eyes, right, diagnose the situation, um, you're going to have a, a natural diagnosis, right? Mm-hmm. But if you see it with a certain type of discernment, right? Or as we call it in our culture, you know, the third eye, right? If you can see with that spirit of discernment, then you can understand, you know, that there are people that are pulling the strings. And so you have to choose which side of that you're going to be on. You know, that's why I said Braxton verse quote, because I'm saying I ain't on that side. You know I'm, You know what I'm saying? Right. He's stating that, right? So that's where I came from.
0: Yeah, most definitely. I mean, my, my, cause I've, I've said like a similar kind of thing um, where in this song, I was like, see, seeing is agreeing with the two eyes, blurred by the third, leave the other two blind. And it's just, again, like what you see and like what's really there are two different things a lot of times. You can only see certain things. Your, your, your mind's eye like, can only see like, you know, certain things. And if you think about it, like even like kids, like kids and the elders, they can see things that we don't see. You know, right. they see, you know, ghosts and spirits and other things like that, or ancestors, and we can't see that because we've already been integrated and indoctrinated in all these other things, and we're just not in tune.
1: We're not tapped in anymore, you know, we're not tapped in anymore, and that's and it's like you have to ask, you know. Why is this such a hot topic, right? You know, social media is big in the Black community. Why is gender strike such a hot topic between us? I mean, and it's not just, you know, men are assholes, women are sluts. It's like, that's like the fluff, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, literally, you can't stop killing us. Therefore, we need to, you know, date outside, right? It's like, no, that's very, you know, this is rhetoric that is specifically going in the direction of, you know, uh, diluting who we are as a people. Right, it's right. spreading us out, right, and so it's like that cannot possibly be by coincidence. So I'm saying, are you seeing with your eyes, Are you reading?
0: Funny you should say lines. that, because this, this well, is. I actually, lines, it's like you know, the lines your head. Right, 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 and this is actually a, a perfect segue to this next bar that I got here, and it is: if the story goes that we see our women as glory holes, it naturally see him as ATMs and call it woke. And that's it was third law of motion. And every action promoted leads to reactions opposing. Y'all see where I'm going.
2: Right.
0: Or for one of my, I would say that's my, mm, it's just it, it between my second and third favorite track right now. Yeah. yeah. I'll say what my favorite is, you know, later. But um, okay, all
1: right. um, that one, Uh, well, I made the reference to Meg the Stallion because, you know, when I had first gotten into, one of my biggest reasons for not pursuing rap or not being public with it, and I would tell Kevin this very often because he used to always try to push me. Because mm-hmm. he did mm-hmm. And I was like, man, they ain't trying to hear what I got to say. They're going to call me boring. They're going to say I'm eating too many big words. They're going they gonna oh, to say all every excuse in the book, right? Mm-hmm. But one of the reasons why I was like, oh, I got to say something, right? I started seeing the types of people that were going to, like, being catapulted to superstar. I'm like, that? Mm-hmm. Namely, people like 6 9 Lil Nas X, whatever, whatever. You know, people that, for some reason, get to represent hip-hop. But they don't have like a lick of skill at all, right? Right. Have the gimmicks and all that. But then here comes this extremely attractive, right? Mm-hmm. Thick as hell, you know, Texas chick, you know, Meg the Stallion, right? And I remember because when she first dropped, you know, I wasn't like wowed by her lyrically and I pay attention to like I'm I'm a big technical lyrical kind kind of guy, mm-hmm. right? I wasn't really like crazy about it, you know. But she fine as hell and that can that that makes up for a lot of things, right? Right. Um and I remember there were people that were complaining about her, you know, I guess the explicitness of her lyrics and I guess I used to call it dominatrix rap. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like it was kinda like that, right?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: So, I remember when it happened. I think at one time even Joe Budden. I'm a, I'm a Joe Budden fan, but I think even he had something about "Are you angry at men or something?" And I'm like, uh, I don't think we're in any position to be talking, my brother. Like, mm-hmm. this is not a this is not a culture that like honors black men, other than if the black man is talking about himself and his niggas, right? Right. Damn sure not a culture, a hip hop culture, at least on the mainstream level, on the commercial level, as beat. I would say that really honors and uplifts black women like that that shit don't sell that don't get no radio play sure it doesn't and so because of that it was like well how could you possibly complain about what this woman is saying you take a look at who her influences are she was saying three six mafia i think she said you know ugk right i'm like those are all black men Mm-hmm. She's literally just saying a female version. She's just rapping as the female version of these other dudes, right? Right. It's 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 like okay, you uh, you probably heard the song "Get Throw Bun B was on it. I'm a Bun B mm-hmm. fan, but he said mm-hmm. some shit. I was like, "That's wow, shit." You know, you know, his verse. I was like, "Okay, you know." And those are Meg's influences. So it's like my point is, black men as black men, right? We are obviously the leaders of hip hop, right? Period. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand they got, you know, the you know, Meg and they got I guess Doja and whoever else, right? I understand that. But, you know, we run this shit, we are the main faces of it, we're the main voices of it, we're the dominant voices of it, with the strength of it, with the muscle behind it. And right. as such, we have to dictate the tone of it, right? Right. If you choose as to whether you want to sell out your own people, including your own women, for a couple dollars or for some radio play, you right. make that decision. But when you do make that decision, if you choose to go into the direction into the more commercial direction. You don't I don't want to hear any complaints with some sisters, because they are gonna look up to you because if you're making you know music that's you know catchy, it's catchy if it just catches on. You can't complain about shit, you know, especially when they come around and they start rapping that same shit. You know, you can't get mad at Lil' Kim for rapping the way she rapped if look who she was around. Bro, they wasn't right. saying that. They wasn't you know they, like the fucking nerve of them to be on this more high horse, you know?
0: Right. Uh, so that's where i was coming from. That. That makes sense. It makes sense. So, um, and yeah, I got from showed uh Megastine to some of my um my women friends because um I thought she was um funny. You know, she says some funny things. She has some some zingers, if you will. And one of the things that you know a lot of the women would agree with me. Well, they would say like they would all say you know different women saying the same thing is just like. You know she raps like how she raps about men the way that um rappers would rap about women and it's just they feel empowered by it so i'm like hey because that's the tone that's what we've set as what is empowering right
1: right exactly. you know what I'm saying? so I, i'm gonna get to this point all right, get, all right so one of my one of my favorite battle rappers right is b mm-hmm. i was just texting him the other day right right um and first of all i want to give a shout out to beat out the guy because you're talking about a righteous brother, man. His cra- I was just watching his battle versus this dude named Swave, this dude from Harlem, right? You probably heard. It. And uh, he was talking about. Uh, first of all, I was wondering why because Bdot gave me a verse.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, we,
1: we're doing a track together. It's called uh, Coast Guys. Mm-hmm. And first of all, you know, you know Auntie Mello, right? Auntie Mello is a mutual yeah, yeah. friend me and Bdot, and she's the one that kind of bridged the gap. Mm-hmm. And Bdot listened to my shit. He posted my shit on his page a couple of times, and it's like. I'm like, and I was thinking, I was like, yo, why did he do that? Like, everybody else, it's hard. Like, he just, the other day, took the initiative to repost my shit on his page. Right. You know what I'm saying? And my girl was like, yo, that's crazy because it's dudes on Twitter that you've been following for, for like, five years. And you, like, literally ask them, bro, because you retweet this, and they be like, oh, yeah. And they don't do it. Like, it's Mm -hmm. dudes that, like, will privately give you props via text. But not want to retweet your shit in public exactly. because they can't stand the idea of like saying, yo, this nigga, I know this nigga, he can rap because everybody tried their hand at rapping and not everybody's as good as. It. So it's like, so she was like, that's, I was like, it's a matter of character. You know what I'm saying? So I want to give a shout out to him because that's the.
0: Yeah, man, that's, that's a good look.
1: Yeah, I, it's just, it, I was like, why did he do that? Right? So I was listening to this battle and he was talking about, in the battle in his third round, he was talking about how he met with loaded Lux, right? Everybody mm-hmm. loves Loaded Lux. And Low, you know, Lux said he fucked with his shit. He's like, okay, cool. He sent Lux a track. Lux didn't respond to it. Lux didn't give him a verse, nothing like that. He said, okay, I took that on the chin. So I was like, oh, that's why he did it. Because he knows what that feels like. To be yeah. hungry, to look up to somebody, and then to have somebody that you admire and respect not give you your pro or not give not give you your props, but not not get behind you and you know what I'm saying invest right. it. You know what I'm saying? And so it's because of that he understands the importance of paying it forward. You know what I'm right. saying? So shout out to B Dot man. That's that's that was that was dope. So I, I mean I really you know, But um I got off on a tangent by far, bro. What was I
0: saying? No, we were just you know, you pretty much broke it down as far as, you know, the concept of, you know, Meg the Stallion and um you know the verses you did on um the second verse on uh the Shetland circuit. Yes sir. um yes, sir. So then oh, wait,
1: we... what? can I just tell you this? Context, I know you're on like 9%, right? But actually, when I first wrote PowerShell in, right? One of the first um, critiques people gave me, right? Because, you know, people love to give public critiques and then give you private props, right? Of course. One of the first critiques people gave me was, yeah, you can rap, but, like, where's the hooks at? Where's the hook? You ain't got no hook. Your songwriting need work. They got to make sure that's in public. They got to quote tweet that shit. Mm -hmm. And then in the DMs, like, yo, but you you can can definitely rap. So that was one of the critiques I had. Chitlin surrogate, I hope y'all enjoyed the hook to Chitlin Circuit because that's the first hook I've ever written in my entire life. Wow. So I hope y'all enjoyed that, right? Just, Just putting that out there. Thank you.
0: Dang. Yeah, that's, that's dope. I mean, for considering the f- first hook, that's, that is very dope. Um, I mean,
1: thing's I it's hard. I, I never, I was like, man, let's just, it's, it's, you, and you notice as an MC, you probably understand this too, you know, as, as an MC, when you rap them, like writing a verse, it's more of like a lecture. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's not something that they're expected to, to rap along with. It's like, no, you listen to me.
2: Mm-hmm. But it's like, when it's a hook,
1: it's like, you gotta think. You're not just thinking in terms of you talking to them. It's something that they have to be able to sing along with. And I was right. like, damn, it's like hard, man. It's like, but after a while, I think I got the hang of it after a while. I wrote a couple of hooks for that choice. I was like, all right, cool, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very, well, I'm not talking about me. This is your interview. We'll, we'll talk later about me. Oh, <laughs> right, right,
1: right, right, right. <laughs> you
0: know what I'm saying? Let's, let's stay on task here. So, um, other uh quotables that i have here um this was a very close second favorite track Mm. very close like it is right there um like on some siamese twin shit like um Mm -hmm. but this bar right here and i actually showed it to um my fiance and she was like yeah that's that's dope but that colorless liquid highly flammable though we set each other ablaze i try not to smother you even in the wildest fires oxygen to maintain their flame
1: yeah that was a little something uh that happened because of, um, <laughs> so uh, i was laid up with my boo thing and um am told my cousin made mm-hmm. a couple beats in there yeah tone, uh, yeah. tone was uh here because we did we reported everything in the apartment mm-hmm. i was laid up and uh he still had the speakers on he was just bullshitting just like right. you know and i had to drive to take her back to philly and uh i was like man, that thing sounding good i didn't know if it was because i was you know on that shit and everything you know everything is better there. Yeah, I didn't know what it was, but right when I was about to walk out, I was like, you stand right there. And he was like, I don't know, I'm just bullshitting. I was like, <laughs> yeah, put that on something. And when I get back, you know, I'm right. right. And so, really, that was just, you know, Ethereal, obviously, you know, where her Twitter name is, right? right? So, Ethereal was just me. Um, obviously, it was a play on, you know, obviously her name and, and what I was feeling at the moment because, and I found out in later conversation with her you know, that she was feeling the same way, is a lot of times in them early stages, you kind of question like, yo, am I moving too fast? Like, am mm-hmm. I am I being irrational? Like, is are these feelings getting to the point, should I be, you know what I mean? Like, right. I'm an emotional person, you know, when I'm with, you know, a woman, it's like, all right, you got me. If you got mm-hmm. me, you got me. I'm, I'm I'm not, there's no guile in me in that sense, right? right. So it's kind of like, I want to make sure I'm keeping, a, a cool head about this right even though mm-hmm. this is like on fire right now right you're keeping a cool head because you still need your space and it's just yeah. trying to maintain that balance you know what i'm saying so
0: yeah that's real game, huh? yeah but that that was a real spoken word love jones kind of vibe and i really i really dug that and i wasn't expecting that i mean i saw the title i knew what time it was initially
2: yeah.
0: but yeah like that was that was really dope um yeah. Thank you, man. I definitely think you should do more things like that.
1: That's well. See, that's the thing. So when I was, obviously, you know, I grew up. My dad was a preacher, so he ain't go for no fucking, you know, rap music. He didn't go, But he had us listening to all his old joints from the seventies and shit. Right. This is no less toxic, just less curse words. Right. Right. But anyway, um, because of that. I had to get that writing jones off and that rhyming jones off, so I said, "Oh, I'm a poet, right?" So All I right. write these big ass poems, you know. Um, and so because of that, I was I couldn't be a rap I couldn't be a rapper, but I could be a poet. I can get away with that because that's not quite the same thing. So because of that, you know, that's that's where my roots are, man. That was that was how I got those jones off. There's a lot of words in my head and a lot of feelings in my
0: heart that I can only let off, you know, through you know, kind of making the, getting the pen to move a little bit. Right, right. Indeed, indeed. Um, Now, these aren't necessarily quotables, but they're just uh, titles that I've, you know, picked up on. So one we got here is Killmonger (laughs) Apologist.
1: Despite uh, the depiction of Killmonger, Mm -hmm. uh, the sentiment um, and the mission Right. Um, I'm kind of on that side. Let's hear him out for a second, right? Right, right. Especially since his approach made a lot more logical sense, right, from the Bible's standpoint of his race, than did T'Challa,
0: Mm-hmm.
1: which was this sort of "We are the world." And I mean, at the end of the film, for example, I never read the comic, but at the end of the film, for example, he winds up giving uranium or, or vibranium to the same exact colonizers or people that they call colonizers, right? Mm-hmm. And open up a STEM center in Oakland and call it a day. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, listen, why don't we let's 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 go there when we're talking about, you know, Killmonger. Let's, let's let's talk about that. You know what I mean? So that's what I was talking about.
0: Okay. And then the next one we got here, um, righteous patriarch. I
1: think that was from uh, power nominates, right? Yeah. Nowadays I, I think as a righteous patriarch, make a mark in these sacred arts and illuminate the dark. Um Listen, I don't, you know, my dad is the patriarch of my family, you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And it's like, I don't apologize for being a straight masculine male. What I do with that, with the strength, what I do with the machismo um, is what is going to affect my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren and all those things. And so because of that, being the patriarch or the heir and the, you know, rising leader of my family, and my family's legacy, um, I have to make sure that I'm walking in a posture of righteousness, mm-hmm. uh, you know, number one, from a moralistic standpoint, but also, I mean, in, in all aspects, right? Uh, and one of the things that I, I think is the biggest thing, as far as being a patriarch, the male leader of the family, the male head of the family, is making sure not only am I, you know, doing the basics, which is provision and protection, that's like, table stakes for manhood in general,
2: right?
1: that mm-hmm. I'm a, a spiritual and emotional oasis mm-hmm. for my wife and my children, you know what I mean? Right. For both of them, right? The one thing I can't stand is hearing people say, listen, my dad beat the shit out of my mom, cheated on her, he never talked to us, but hey, he paid them bills and we never went hungry. It's like, that ain't enough. That's That like- sounds like slavery to me. Yeah, I'm saying, like, that's the basics. Like, you gotta mm-hmm. cover much more ground than that, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So to me, that's what Righteousness as a patriarch is and I think about that shit every single day. I think about I ain't got no damn kids, but I think about being a father every day, what kind of spiritual and emotional and psychological effect I'm gonna have on all of them.
0: Yeah, because that definitely stood out to me, you know, based upon, you know, the uh the bad name that, you know, the term patriarchy has gotten in the past however many years it's been. And you know, it was just um it's good to hear it from the other side.
1: Fuck that. We patriarchs, the- fuck that. <laughs> Nobody think
0: about the damn Twitter hand. Hey? All right, now this one right here is my favorite track. Uh, no. You notice? You ever notice pain as a passage of senses? Mm-hmm. Break it down.
1: Um, let me see. You ever noticed pain? Okay. You ever noticed when pain a passage of senses? The scars of which heart and leave a stain and crash your intentions. Hold up, got cash, got women and about your business, but if it's at the cost your heart only love from a distance, so what? By all means, yeah, we in it for tall green. As long as we can see that the hardest the piece that's missing, so uh, keep grinding and striving, and keep listening, keep your focus and your people close when they reach their ascension. I sing, along, I sing a song about this beautiful pain. I keep my head up, I don't choose to complain. Can't explain how I feel that it was real, but we don't view it the same. And though it hurts, and in a beautiful thing. I named the song Beautiful Pain because this is really supposed to be a, a less tearful version of uh, Perfect Peace, which was on- our Yes. song, uh-huh. song I work for my brother, right? So it's really, that really encapsulates, if you remember what I said in the beginning of this conversation, encapsulate, what is life without Kevin? You know right. Kevin was a, a he was a, a former right? that's what mm-hmm. I've always recognized him, and so it's kind of saying that same thing and when you think about you know i think about kevin his struggle struggled with his health almost his entire life mm-hmm. um, and he has a he had he faced it with such a an immense courage um and a certain um i would say even lion heartedness about himself um I mean, listen, if somebody today, if he was alive, somebody might call it a, a, people always respect you more after you pass away. But if he was alive, they probably would have said he had a little man complex. But Mm -hmm. now, in retrospect, now that he's gone after 33 years, it's like, it probably was something deeper than that, because he struggled with so much physically, but his spirit was so strong. And Mm -hmm. he had the most courage out of all of us. I don't mind saying that he was more man than I, I, if I could be half the man he was, I don't mind saying that, right? Right. And so because of that, I wrote that song as a less tearful version um uh, of, of power of Shalem. But, you know, what I was thinking you ever notice when pain's the passage of senses, it's that pain that you can't even, you know, refer to any other pain that you ever felt through any type of sense that you've ever felt, right? It's it's almost like, you know, when Kevin passed, it was almost like my soul got mortally wounded. It was like a piece of my soul. That right. Moment. And so because of that the scars of which harden leave a stain and crash your intentions. You got cash, got women, you bought your business, but if it's at the cost you're hardly love from a distance, so what? Mm-hmm. Right? So I was, I remember even it, it became a time where i you know, when when your loved ones die, a lot of times you can go through these stages of guilt. And I had a number of different stages of guilt mm-hmm. thinking that I was directly responsible for his death given the events of the day leading up to him. Right. Um, but it's like I, I was so caught up in my own ambition a lot of times. And he was behind me. He would support me. Right. But I was so caught up in my own ambition. It made me, you start to think, like, I wish I could have just stayed home from the office or got home from the office three hours early that day just to sit there and talk to him. Uh-huh. You know? Excuse me. So because of that, that's where that came from. You know, got cash, got women about your business. But if it's at the cost, you're heartily love from a distance. So what? By all means, we in it for tall green, right? That's cool. There's no problem with that. Ken was about making his brand too, and right. he couldn't really work as much, right? As long as we can see that the heart is the piece that's missing, so keep grinding and striving, and keep listening. Keep your focus, but keep your people close before they reach their ascension, right? And that's where that came from. So I called that beautiful pain because although. I don't think there's a single hour throughout the day. I was just matter of fact, you know, the anniversary to his death just came by right, and I wasn't ready for this, but my mom wanted for us to uh, all meet up and kind of talk about our best experiences with had. I was not ready for that. Mm-hmm. I handled this situation. I don't want to say worse, but for lack of a better term, worse than the rest of my family right mm-hmm. um it, I, it gets still I'm surprised I'm holding up right now, right It's just that's just how I am as a person, right right um, but it's like. The lessons that I've learned, right, and the things that that taught me, right, not only in his death but also his life, you know, um, the lessons that I've learned is a beautiful thing, you know. And I'm at the point where he's a constant reminder. They even said, right, it was a couple of church members, and they were talking about they had like a dream about Kevin, and they asked me, I wasn't saying anything, I didn't want to talk to him about
2: it. Right.
1: It's like, Hi, have you dreamed about us? I, I dream about Kevin probably three times a week. Uh-huh. Said, what does he say? What does he say? You know, they're really into the right wing evangelical, you know, whatever, the Pentecostal kind of thing. So they're trying to find something to interpret out of it. I don't really see it that way. I'm a little bit more, you know, whatever. Um, and I say he doesn't really say anything. He kind of just puts his hand on my shoulder and just stands there. And I kind of see him in my peripheral. Matter of fact, even in those songs, it was based on a dream that I had. And though over a year I still talk as though he was here, I still hold and embrace him though no reflection when we're both in the mirror. Still wonder if he even think about me. Or is the bliss surrounding him so intensely more than convinced of just a distant memory. So like I actually had a dream one time that I was sitting down at this event and I see Kevin kind of peek behind the door and then close the door. So immediately I jet up, you know, run Mm -hmm. and I see him down a hallway. Nobody's in there. Open another door. He's not there. I run down another hallway. He's kind of looking past closed door, almost like a hide-and-seek thing, like, you know, mm-hmm. tag, you can't find me thing. I open the door. Finally, he's standing there. He's kind of looking at me like, all right, you got me. So I break down and I cry, right? I'm giving him a hug. In front of me is a mirror. I can't see myself. I can't see anybody. It's like like, like a vampire, you know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. So it's like I still hold and embrace him, though no reflection when we both in the mirror. So it's like those things and it's him constantly, I don't even want to call it a haunting, but it's a blessing. To still have it with me in my subconscious when I go to sleep at night, it helps you wake up, you know. So it's like, although it still hurts, ain't it a beautiful thing?
0: Yeah, you know and
1: I mean?
0: you yeah, know how that shit is man. Yeah, and that's actually, um, I actually, um, had this, uh, this, this quote that came to me. I was talking to some people about, you know, like losing loved ones and stuff like that, and I think I'll share with you, and you know, hopefully it'll it'll help. I'm not sure what your, um your take is on like you know afterlife or anything like that or you know turning to the essence but um a lot of times when you know people pass away and people the survivors always think about you know i wish i wish i was there i wish i could have been there more whatever whatever you know we kind of we beat ourselves up and we you know it's a big thing to us mm-hmm. but those when they the, the ones that have, that have ascended it's not yeah yeah and i had a situation with, with me personally like um, I was, I was doing some degenerate shit and right, right. you know and instead of you know being there at this particular time where like everybody else took pictures like all of her um, her grandsons were there and mm-hmm. I was the only one missing because I was out being a dot <laughs> right.
2: mm-hmm. and
0: she came to me in a dream you know after she had passed and you know we had made amends mm-hmm. and it made me realize like yo like despite that goofy moment I'm thinking about the history of everything we've been through, all the times you have been there, all the time, the conversations that we had, all the times that we spent that weren't you know, on camera, and stuff like that. And that's what matters more to them than that one little goofy moment or that one time that you stepped out because they realize that you have a life to live even though they don't have a life to live anymore. Yeah. And so basically it's just, it's kind of like a switch between like, it's a big thing to us, but a small thing to them.
1: That's a fact. And it's like, you also have to keep in mind, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, Interstellar. I'm a big Christopher Nolan fan. It's Matthew McConaughey, like time travel, and going through space kind of thing. But anyway, pretty much Matthew McConaughey, the main character, he goes inside of a black hole, right? Mm-hmm. And what he finds inside of the black hole is that inside of a black hole, uh, time is um, sort of like a, a physical dimension. They right. can literally see, they can physically cause vibrations back in time, right? So that's what he said. So the, the point is, time moves in a different way where our ancestors go, where our loved ones go. And so right. because of that, they can see the beginning, the end, all that, you know, and right. we can only see what's in front of us right. and, re- and and reminisce on what's in back of us. right? You know, we all, better yet, we can only theorize and projecting what's gonna happen in front of us and, you know, remorse and, and have remorse over what happened in back of us, but they can see right. the whole picture. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, because of that, it's like, I, for the longest time, the biggest issue with me, as you, you'll probably see reflected in my writing, and I still struggle with I don't mind saying it, you know, is that it's like, it's a guilt thing. It's like, I, I wish I just would've spent one more fucking second with him, you know what right. I'm saying? Just, just fucking one more, you know what I mean? Um, I wish I would have sat down there with him that night because he died right in our house, right? Mm-hmm. I wish I would have sat there one more second, you know, I wish I would have just but it's like at the same time, he sees things differently.
0: Right. You
1: know because time doesn't work the same. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A, you know, a thousand years to us is like a minute him. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All I know, he could just be waking up and like looking around, you know, that's right. how the shit goes, you know? And so we don't really you know, it's it's me kind of daydreaming on what that could mean, you know, and, and, and how that affects me as a person and me as an MC, me as a man today. You know, he's made me a better person, you know. And that's that's really where beautiful beautiful pain came from.
0: I would say my um my best piece of unsolicited advice is just to don't stop writing. I feel like that's helping you mm-hmm. process everything yeah. and just just keep at it. Um, very, very dope project. Um do I have any other things here? Oh, uh, you got yes. one
1: more. Give me that. Title yeah. track. Come on now.
0: <laughs> actually, I wasn't even going to go there. I was actually going to um, talk about the inspiration behind Supreme Outliers 1 and 2 because I actually had to revisit Supreme Outliers 1. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, like what's the backstory behind that and like how did that all come about?
1: Um, I just wanted to have something that, you know, when people get my, projects, they always know something that they can expect, right? Mm-hmm. Number one, I don't ever, in, ever, ever, ever want to compromise, you know, the type of technical dedication that I try to bring to it, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I said I'm the greatest lyricist there ever was, but I always want people to know, like, yo, Braxton gonna come with that shit every fucking time. Like, the same way you look at Black Thought. Mm-hmm. He's gonna get that type... I always want to have that, right? And so that has to be one of those things where they're not expecting any hooks. They're expecting bars, you know? Supreme Outliers Part 1 had 64 bars for me, 32 bars for Tone. This one had 32 bars for me, I think, 20 from Bibi or 16 from Bibby and yeah, 16 from Bibi, my little brother and um, 16 from Tom. You know, it always has to be that sort of thing. So it's like, yo, we are like, we're the outliers. We're on the outskirts of this shit. Like we're different mm-hmm. from everybody, but we supreme with this shit.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
1: what I wanted to do was as I progress in my career as an MC, hopefully, eventually the, the, the bigger names, as far as the more recognized goats. You know would want to get on it be like oh mm-hmm. yeah you know, i'm gonna be on that shit with braxton so i gotta come correct you know what i'm saying sort of like that shit and i mean if anything you could almost say if this was if i was making another album i might even say this joint with me and b dot will probably be like a supreme outliers part three but mm-hmm. you know, that's gonna be something completely separate so you know that's where the the idea it came from and i said let's just there has to be a certain amount of continuity. You know, right? Awesome, right? Obviously, you're gonna get the little jazz beats and the boom bap and all that. All right, that's that's like the Braxton brand. But as far as songs are concerned, I wanted to always be a specific title, like Carter One, Carter Two, like Maybach Music. You know what I'm mean? saying? Yeah, sort of like exactly. What I was thinking. Yep. Yeah, like maybe and it always has to be. Actually, that's probably the biggest, the best example. Maybach Music One, Two, Three, and there always has to be that sort of thing. And that's what I want.
0: Okay. So, and then finally, the title track.
1: Hmm. Um that was not. Here's the thing, here's how things work with me and Tom, right? I go into, I text Tom, I tell him what kind of beat I want. Um, and he says, okay, come through. We're gonna make it from scratch. We come through. Um, in the beginning, I'm like, okay, that's something I can fuck with. Okay, all right, bet, bet. I walk out for 30 seconds, I come back in, the beat is completely done. I'm like, what the fuck happened, right? That's what happened with this joint. Um, if you heard um, uh, what's my sister's name? Damn. What's the female MC? I care. Her name isn't coming to me right now. What I'm drinking. Um, damn, what's her name, bro? She nice. From North Carolina. Um, she had an album last year. It was called Eve. Um, oh, it's all about um, Rhapsody. Thank you. All right, Rhapsody. Yeah, there you go. Rhapsody. She had a track on her called Aaliyah. Uh-huh. And um, Aaliyah, it had this dope ass like voice box aspect to it, sort of like a Zappa Raja thing. And the beat was like on some Fuji shit. Uh-huh. And first of all, that to me, my opinion, that was the best album. I'm putting that above, you know, two of my favorite albums, which is my, you know, you know b album, which is uh, Coming Forth By Day. Right. That was my, that was my favorite. But to me, her album took the cake. That was the best. Album and, and like I felt like you know people get mad because I walk listen if she's a female, she the one rapping right, so there you go.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know
1: what I'm saying? She she the only one rapping right, that's your fault. You know what I'm saying? So there was a track in there called Aaliyah, and I was like, that joint is gro- it's groovy, man. So I was like, yo, I need something like that. The the drums was sounds like, okay, cool. And he had the little mm, 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 and he kind of changed the vocals up on it by the time I come back, and I was like, what the fuck is this? I was like, all right, this is going to go in a different direction. I said, you know what, this is going to be the title track. So after that, I said, you know, I kind of listened to the beat a little bit more when he finally sent it to me because I was a little upset. I'm like, nigga, this is not what I asked you for. But I was right. like, oh, no, this might actually work out for the best. So I just wrote the two tracks. And um, I don't know where the idea came from. I think I was reading an article from National Geographic, and it talked about mitochondrial Eve or something like that. And I was just like. Reaction in the seed of the mitochondrial E. Solar throw the pantheon with bathing in the HSCs. Hypochondrial mind made them hyperconscious and freed. It's like, okay, now I got it, right? So that's where the idea came from. And it was initially going to have no hooks. But, you know, I heard Tone. He kept playing it while I was in my room chilling.
2: Mm-hmm. And he
1: starts to sing, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And I was like, all right, his mind is going somewhere. So I go out to pick Kia up. By the time I came back, he was like, yo, listen to this shit. He had already made the fucking, he had already laced the hooks and all that. So I was like, that's perfect. So we wound up doing that and I wanted to make sure that that track from a conceptual standpoint was really, you know, capturing the very essence of this album, which is like, listen, this isn't just about bars, right? Right. Um, It has to be something that is, you know, my music, obviously, it is, you know, targeted toward a male audience, right? And the Mm -hmm. whole idea is to get, the black man mobilized and activated and moving forward, right? Beyonce had lemonade. Cool, cool, cool. You know, Jay-Z, I guess that was what he was doing with 444, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. right? But it's like, all right, I want you, I want to get you up and I want to get you active, right? I want to get you, you know, with a chip on your shoulder. And that's what Black August is supposed to do. Standing at attention, his hands are open list and listening, draft sentences to Miller, to rise an exact bench, just so, you know, it has to be that kind of thing where it gives that sort of energy to any man-woman system against the black kindred send message to black man in peace to my black women police, police and police our streets be the mass agenda we have the addicted we train in tactics that can offend and expel the immoral We're back to the caverns from which he entered I'll be out of Lagos village, chilling with some Haitian women conversating, talking nation building over vegan dinners niggas minds weak to the sheep mind if we run in pasture this flag wave and there shall be none after and as the evil scientist psycho-pharmaceutical warfare is waving on us and send schemes become more apparent it has to be that kind of thing where it's kind of getting specifically the black man we got to get him back in the game right you know, black women they trying to they doing their best black women are doing their best it's time to get black men black back in the game right and that's that's what that's what they fear you know mm-hmm. and it's like i want them to be afraid right um and and even so not just in terms of us being like you know infantry or militarized Right but also even working behind the scenes, you know, all facts, we congregate in all black and secret meters and tribunals and Mardi Gras mass. It's kind of like, I'm using like a lot of, I'm using a lot of poetic licenses, it's very mm-hmm. theatric, obviously, I mean, yeah. you know, dramatic, but the point is to kind of give you that feeling that we have yeah. to not only be on the front lines, but also in the back pulling the strings yeah. of the people on the front lines.
0: You I mean, what that's I mean? what they do. So might as, might as well.
1: That's all I'm saying. Yeah. You, know what I'm saying? Like, you see, that's how the game is played. Those are the, you know, that's the, that's those are the tactics of war. So it's like, by all means, you know, that that's what I wanted to do, man. So Black August was, uh, you know, Black August. That title track that was really supposed to, you know, capture every, the very essence of that, you know.
0: Very very dope project. Um, what would you say is next for you?
1: Good question. Next is, um, well, next. First of all, this album, uh, this this project was not was supposed to be seven songs long. I'm going to let you, when we kind of sit down and, you know, make our track together, because for y'all that don't know, we actually making the track together. That joint could be crazy. We don't even know the, the title of it yet, but that joint gonna be crazy. But uh, when we sit down, I'm going to let you hear this joint called Hotep Ebony. Nine minutes long. It's long as shit. Um, but that was supposed to, that would have made, like, this joint, like, like I would have, like felt like we deserved a Grammy for that shit. In my opinion, that's like the epitome of like a hip hop masterpiece. Right. It's like, you know, Renee mixed with, I don't even know what, you know what I'm saying? So right. It's telling a story. Uh, three or four verses and you know, a two minute spoken word part performed by my baby Kia. Um, it's gonna be dope. Um, but that's that's the next thing we're gonna be releasing that mainstream, and there's also gonna be a video for that. Also, me and B dot God, uh, y'all know him, one of the greatest battle rappers to ever um touch an ink pen. Me and him coming out with a track. Uh we already had a track. He sent me over his verse like a month and a half ago. Uh it's called Coast Gods. You know, that that joint is crazy, man. He he his his you know, produced by Tona Artist, you know, his verse was crazy. My verse is crazy. We went hard on that one. Um, also, me and Bibby, we're going to be coming out with uh, our song soon. I don't know what the song is called, but I already wrote my verse. And I got to text him, actually. It's my little brother. We're just going to, you know, figure that out. But then after that, um, soon I'm going to be getting off of Twitter um, because I'm singing that app, and I'm going to be dedicating all of my energy towards building a bigger YouTube brand. Right. Um, so, what I'm one of the first things I'm gonna do, as far as actual projects are concerned, I'm gonna do you know five or six songs, same as like what I usually do, but it's gonna be all live instrumentation, almost like a. It's actually it's gonna be called the Tonight Show with Braxton. Right? Okay. So it's gonna be that sort of thing, you know, you know, old school microphone type things, you know, got a saxophonist and a trumpetist and a trumpeter right. and a drum player, all that in the back, and it's gonna be real classy. You know, I'm looking forward to that. You know, just gotta. I gotta hear some beats, man. I don't know what it is. You know how this shit go, bro. It's like don't nobody want to do no classic, you know, hip hop sounds anymore. Everybody just want the what do they call it, the kick, whatever, kick, whatever. And it's like
0: the eight oh eights and all that. Yeah, eight oh
1: eights and all that. It's like oh god, man. it's like I don't want to rap to that shit, like you know. So uh, it depends on what I find, but it's gonna be some. It's gonna be some dope shit, man. Like I got already got the you know the lines of the concept written down, so it's gonna be dope, bro.
0: So if people were and
1: hopefully with a feature. By my brother, Dwayne Johnson, hopefully.
0: Oh, yeah. That could be arranged. Um, so, if people wanted to find you, where could they find you at?
1: I just changed my Instagram, man. I don't even fucking know. Hold on. i <laughs> um, yeah, I just changed it like yesterday. Um, it is the.braxton.show. So, T-H-E dot B-R-A-X-T-O-N dot S-H-O-W. The Braxton Show. The.braxton.show. That's me on Instagram. Um... I don't suggest following me on Twitter because it's going to be down in a couple of days. But um, also, if you look me up on YouTube, you'll see The Braxton Show. Look me up then you'll see me there. Got all my freestyles and, you know, the last album and all that.
0: All right. Appreciate your time. And, uh, yeah, we'll definitely talk about um, that track.
1: Yes, sir. Black man. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you, man.
0: No doubt.